part is
National Improv Fest, and his improvisational skills actually came in handy. Uh, our own Nicole was a little late to the theater, and she got a bit of a shout-out there, so I thought that was pretty funny, and I'm bugging her because she's not here to defend herself. Um... It's about 10 after 5 at this point. I think what we'll do is we're going to take a little break after that rough and ready, but enthusiastic and ultimately uh, very positive review for um, Sorrows of Young Verser from UBC Theatre. Thank you very much for having us. And we're going to take a quick early break. And when we get back, the just arrived Andrew Young will be talking to us about Snag at the Cobalt, which happens this evening and next week. And uh, I'm going to say another spoiler alert. You you can get some art. I know everyone loves art. That's why you're listening. So uh, we will have uh, Andrew Young when we come back. And for now, uh, we will take a quick break. Please stay tuned. CITR 101.9 and Union Events invite you to an intimate night at the Rio Theater with Adam Cohen on October 19th. His elegant and charismatic melodies are sure to set the right mood. So bring a loved one, sit back, and experience a beautifully romantic evening to make you fall in love all over again. I know what you look like in the morning. Tickets are available at unionevents.com or Ticketmaster for only $30. So remember to save the date and enjoy the classic atmosphere of the Rio Theater with Adam Cohen. Nothing on but the radio. Friday at the Cobalt, 917 Main Street, where they aim to please with a reliable lineup of bands, buddy hangouts, and songs your new boyfriend hasn't heard of. With DJs Trevor Risk of Ice Cream Social and Christian Flores of Winnie Cooper, as well as photos by the lovely Lindsay of Lindsay's Diet. $3 Firewalls, $3 Pacific Pilsners, come Friday every Friday. It's not just a clever name. On October 18th, the Lab Art Show is bringing you a night of amazing cultural art to benefit the Huicho Aboriginal people. There will be a showcasing of the eclectic works from Jacob Hiltz and Chili Tom, as well as powerful musical performances by The River and The Road. Over 30 different artists are coming together under one roof, so don't miss out on this wealth of talent. October 18th at 560 Seymour. Sponsored by CITR 101.9 present Triple Ween at Fortune Halloween Night. $10 tickets at Highlight, DIPT, Red Cat, or CITR to see Teen Witch, Falcons, Surreal Hawk, Killing Time Quartet, Boha, Woe Bangs, and Based God. Don't miss it. The ghosts will come get ya.
And we are back. And I want to welcome Andrew Young, who is organizing Snag hey, tonight uh. and next week at the Cobalt. It's free. And then you go in, you enjoy some amazing music by DJ Bikes, who we are listening to in the background. You get to watch some live art being made. You get to look at some beautiful burlesque dancers from the Concrete Vertigo burlesque troupe. And then you get to buy some raffle tickets and you get to bring that art home. And I wanted to know from Andrew Young, what is up? What's going down? (laughs) Um, Andrew, do you mind giving us a little rough and ready introduction to the mind of Andrew Young? Oh, um, well convoluted would probably be an understatement. Um, Anxiety ridden for (laughs) sure. Um, Overachiever and constantly underachieving but uh, generally I'm an artist. I work in the Acme building down in the on Hastings by Columbia with a ton of awesome, super talented people. And that's kind of the reason that I ended up being there. And being there, I've kind of uh, ended up, you know, extensively networking with a lot of awesome, awesome, rad, talented artists. And that's kind of what's led me to putting on this event called Snag. And you may recognize uh, Andrew Young's work. I know I recognize Movember, and I recognize mm-hmm. a bunch of other mm-hmm. um, from around. He has he does these these portraits and these scenes that are kind of like these surreal hipster portraits. <laughs> I like to call. Um, you know, he's been at Rick and Raven in London and the Aden Gallery in Vancouver in 2011, and then the year before he was at the Cafe for Contemporary Art, and uh, he was in Redo in New York. Yeah. So he's been all over the world. I've been some places, for sure. Seen so many faces. Seen a bunch of faces, painted a bunch, too. Excellent. And yeah. so you can uh, you can actually check him out. Uh, is it, uh, what is it, D. Young? Yeah, if, I mean, if you want to see, like, old work, you could probably go there. But mm-hmm. uh, I usually kind of prompt people to go to my blog, which, oh, is, okay. which is hedrew.blogspot.com. And that's kind of uh, more of a, an up-to-date kind of where I'm at the with The latest everything. and the greatest. Yeah, and I think uh, blogs are just generally more interesting to check out artists i mean yeah it's personal and you get an opportunity to kind of like write about stuff and where it's coming from and the reason it's going on and yeah that's kind of like where the whole bag of tricks is sitting these days excellent so um i found out about snag actually just talking to patrick at the cobalt for a different reason and and i said hey come on we're an art show and Mm -hmm. and i Mm -hmm. love the idea of watching someone produce a piece that you right. get to then bring home. Can you tell us a little bit about what inspired you to uh, organize this event, which has happened twice so far and has two more shows to go, correct? Yep. Yeah, we got two left. It's been kind of a trial, um, and we're probably going to continue it on. We, oh, excellent. Yeah, we sort of had a Wednesday open up, and uh, you know, I've thrown out a number of uh, art events at the Cobalt, and I've said, you know what, if you want me to... You know, take a go at it. Let's uh, let's do it. So Patrick and I kind of like brainstormed up the idea of uh, an art raffle. And basically how it works is everyone comes down and they buy raffle tickets and they go for one for five, three for ten, and ten for twenty. And yeah, it's just, um, I don't know, it's, uh, it's, it's kind of like a new way to, to buy art in Vancouver. I mean, everybody you know, likes art but doesn't want to, you know, spend the dough on it. So it kind of poses an opportunity for the public to kind of come in, you know, spend five to 20 bucks and hopefully get a really awesome, valuable piece at the end of the night. 
And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's been going it's been going really really well. Obviously, like our first night was super success, but um, yeah, it's just a matter of really kind of keeping that ball rolling. And I've been receiving a lot of phone calls from all over Greater Vancouver about what's going on, and you know, just asking me asking me what the dealio is. And how um, did you? Now, are these artists that have in the past incorporated live art into their yeah quite work? often quite okay. often I mean um, this, this is, there's always opportunities for live painting for uh, you know festivals events art shows and that sort of thing so most of the people that are involved have somewhat or some extensive experience doing that and yeah I think uh, it's a it, it's a it's 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 a different way of producing art. Quite often, you know, we're you know packed away in our studios and just kind of bring uh, his own art and the art that he has brought with him. Trying to trying to process our ideas onto the canvas. And um, the thing about a live painting is it, I guess, sort of adds a lot of spontaneity to the work. Having uh, you know a bit of a time deadline and you know people are watching. So. And the you know, inspiration, are they drawing from the room? How did, Or do they come maybe with some ideas already? Uh, sometimes uh, people will come in and they've got uh, some premeditated kind of work going on in the uh, on their canvas. Sometimes they just come in and just go at it. I mean, you know, we had uh, Justin Patterson come in on our first night, and I didn't really know what to expect. He was uh, referred to me by local artist Justin Graydon, and <laughs> he just kind of backed him up, said he's going to do some awesome stuff. And what ended up happening is... Justin came in before we opened and he found a massive stepladder and he ended up kind of doing like a Gerhard Richter sort of thing and he was painting on this stepladder with a three and a half foot stick with a spoon on the end of it and he's got, you know, a three foot straw and he's blowing glitter all yeah, over it. Yeah, standard stuff, standard stuff. Yeah, sure. totally standard and yeah, I don't know, that <laughs> that was uh, definitely like more of a performance art type of thing but uh, yeah, I mean, everyone's just like... But someone know, still got to bring it home? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Excellent. Actually, one of my studio mates managed to to hook that thing. So that's awesome. Well, yeah. Um. So you can you can find this stuff on Facebook. Um. You know, if you just search, you know, the Cobalt and Andrew Young or Snag on Facebook, it'll, it'll pop up. Um. Tell us a little bit about what's going to happen for Volume Three tonight. So for Volume Three, I've got Nomi Chi, uh, Stefan Kwong, Colin Moore, and Megs Majewski, and Nomi Chi's a pretty prominent tattoo artist in the city, and she's mm. a young gun kind of illustrative prodigy. She works at The Fall. Uh, Colin Moore is a close friend of mine. He's kind of like the positive to my negative terminal. <laughs> he uh, is head male graphics designer at Lululemon and is a jack of all trades, so he's going to... I don't know what to expect from him, but it's going to be something awesome. Uh, Stefan Kwong is my studio mate who sits right across from me, and he's more of like a sort of like an abstract grunge artist, and I've already seen what he decided to start, and it's going to be pretty awesome. And then I've got Megs Majewski, and she's a, she's a full-time freelance painter. Uh, she's shown at Cave Gallery in the States, and she quite often will be showing at Aiden Gallery in town. Um, yeah, she uh, went to Vancouver Film School, works on iRobot and Battlestar Galactica in the past. So, yeah, very talented bunch as per usual. Um, yeah, and then again, I like like Megan just said, uh, we've got a burlesque crew every week, and they're Concrete Vertigo, and they got, I think, three acts for us tonight. And then my buddy DJ Bikes, obviously, we're listening to him already. He's going to be spinning the ones and twos for us. Nice. Yeah. And uh, anything of note coming up next week? Oh, next week's going to be a banger. We've got uh, David Ulick and Peter Reek 
two graffiti massive gurus, Sumi and Enso. And then I just got on the phone a couple days ago with the world-renowned Ben Tour. Mm. Yeah. And do you have any idea what they are going to be doing? Well, Ben Tour's kind of uh, synonymous for the sexy girls with blue drippy business. Uh, obviously, uh, Sumi and Enso are coming from a graffiti background, but um, if you didn't manage to get a glimpse of their show at Elliot Lewis uh, last month, they are kind of segueing into more of an abstract kind of uh, direction, but definitely still taking uh, influence from their graffiti roots with their marks. Peter Reek uh, is not only an amazing DJ for the humans and gang signs, but he's also a, an amazing, amazing illustrator. He's been working in the animation industry for quite some time, and he's got some pretty intense illustrative chops. And then David Ullick, who was uh, introduced to me uh, early last year, he is... Well, let me think about... He, he does... Uh, very colorful, faceted portraiture. So okay, so yeah. there's something, so there's something for everyone. And w- another one of the reasons that I kind of wanted you on is um, just to kind of go beyond the live art aspect. It mm-hmm. it seems like an event like this makes, uh, and you kind of touched on it already, art accessible. Definitely, definitely. And we're also sponsoring. Um, we sponsor the Quick and Dirty Collectives, like the Snoop Dogg and the Spice Girls right, art shows right. and stuff. And that's another thing that I like is where it's it's accessible to uh, make or buy or both. Mm-hmm, and you get mm-hmm. to kind of participate in the experience. And totally. that's something that I think is becoming more uh, more popular and more prevalent in, yeah. in modern art. Yeah, people just love stuff being made right in front mm-hmm. of their eyes. And, you know, for a lot of people that come in there and actually see it from, you know, beginning to finish, uh, yeah, they, they value that. And I think um, that's kind of something that, you know, helps incite uh, raffle ticket sales, for instance, mm-hmm. but also kind of, uh, you know, just just be more interested in, like, in, in these artists and, uh not there's there's not as much detachment between uh, a viewer buyer and the artist. They actually kind of see what what, what the hell's going on. So, yeah. well, uh, Andrew, is there anything else you'd like to add before we before we go? Um, I think we touched on most of it. I just you know hope to see you guys down here tonight or next week. Like we said before, it's free admission and the, the tickets are priced super super low. And so you can if you know what if you're not in a position to get a piece of art or if uh, you can have a drink you can watch the art you can watch Mm -hmm. the girls Mm -hmm. but most likely you will see something cool and you will want to get it oh yeah for sure and we just restocked our walls there too so there's a whole bunch of fresh new artwork up there as well and that features work from everyone who's more traditional way of buying it up (laughs) Uh, yeah definitely I mean everything's for sale but uh, it's more just to kind of uh, that's just life show off how awesome (laughs) my friends are Absolutely. Yeah. Well, uh, thank you very much for coming all the way out here to uh, join us. Mm-hmm. And awesome. and uh, again, you can ch- so Snag Volume Three is tonight. Uh, it starts at nine at the Cobalt. It's free. You can pick up uh, raffle tickets for the art, drink, see some uh, art and girls, and listen to some. Uh, mixes and what I would suggest is you know check out uh, Andrea's kindly linked to all the artists on the Facebook page so you can check out them maybe get some strategy I mean it's a raffle so there's not it's a lot of luck so bring your your good luck items <laughs> all right so we are gonna listen to a little bit of DJ bikes um, and thank you again Andrew for joining us thank you so much for having me
And we're back. Thank you again uh, to Andrew Young for joining us uh, to introduce those various artists. And uh, DJ Bikes for lending us some music there in the background. Uh, just to reiterate, it is free. It's one raffle ticket for five bucks, three for ten and ten for twenty. Uh, I'm thinking of checking out next week. Looks to be a art barn burner. And... Uh, I would encourage you guys, if if you're interested in actually watching art be created, for me, that's the draw, more than even getting my 20 bucks. Um, but I definitely am interested in, in seeing the actual process unfold right in front of me, especially with so many diverse artists. And next, I'm very, very happy to uh, put on a reading from... Anakina Schofield, who was a uh, who is an author who will be reading at the Vancouver International Writers Festival, which uh, starts uh, started yesterday and will be running until the twenty first. Hundred events all over the city and uh, a great way to meet not only um, authors locally but of course internationally. And uh, I actually have uh, reviewed. Anakina's book Malarkey in on April 18th I believe you can look that up actually because we do podcast and I was very happy to have her on the show so what I would love to do for you um, is play you a brief excerpt from a reading that she was kind enough to do for us from episode 4 of Malarkey uh, and this uh, is a story of our woman who comes in contact with her son's homosexuality he then uh, which then sticks in her brain and combination with her husband's infidelity her uh, son's lifestyle the war and her general breakdown mentally creates a complex and uh, out of time sequence of events um, that really go to a number of issues including space uh, urban space versus domestic space, feminist space, and uh, the urban versus the rural. You can also check out a really great uh, playlist on lodgehardedboy.com. I mentioned this last time we reviewed, and it's uh, Anakina Anna picking some of the Irish and pop culture songs that she thinks really uh, connect well with the book. So this is Anakina Schofield reading uh, from episode four of Malarkey, and we're going to listen to a few minutes. Uh, and then we'll listen to an excerpt from uh, my interview with her. The full reading and the full interview are available on Mixcloud.com, the Arts Report. And I will post those on Facebook for your convenience. And train, got our parents and relations. I'm going to read a couple of uh, sections. Um, episode 4 of Malarkey. Get out and about a bit, my husband urged me. Go into town, have a look at the shops. I lived alone then with my husband. If you're wondering, I have three children, though now I have only two and no husband neither. No matter who called into me, the loneliness inside my kitchen and my weary head would not abate. It was strange, that. Strange like someone had thrown a cup of tea at the curtains that obscured my brain. You've had enough, 
I could have sworn they said that one time in the hospital when the doctor gave me a jab. I was certain they were pushing me down like you would an old donkey. You've had enough. We're going to let you go. But the nurse, when I looked at her, her lips weren't moving. Go into town and have a look at the shops. Have a bowl of soup someplace. It'll do you good. It was the second time my husband instructed me that day. The shops to the male, ever the solution to the glowering female. But in this instance, they were no use whatsoever for unbinding me from my misery. I could barely make out the colour of things. Once inside, I couldn't find my way back out to the door. I would stand and stare at pillows or lamps, immobile for so long. Eventually, people asked, was I okay? and three times offered me a drink of water and a chair. But I commend my husband. His words about the bowl of soup hung about me, and didn't I take his advice and step into a place I never normally would have gone near? The sort of place you might peer at, but you'd never have need in this lifetime to go in. On the outside, it had the look more of a pub than, say, a cafe, but it was the bar of a small bed-and-breakfast-type hotel. The woman at the bar had hair you might see on a shop dummy. Cut the same way for so long, it would never change its shape. She kept, she and the place kept the form of the 1970s, even though they were long gone and everything around the building had changed. They were like a tribute to it. Would you believe me if I told you? They reminded me of my wedding cake. But I sat hidden away inside there, And my husband was right. It was quiet, and it did me good. It did me snug, if you see what I mean. Unfortunately, it was the reason I was so easy to find when Red the Twit came for me. Our woman lies in bed. Her skin feels as though it's been lit, beginning at the tip of her little finger. But her husband's refusal to add a spoon of gasoline means it will be a slow burn raising every centimetre of her flesh, scorching her east to west. She peels back through the conversation, the homily delivered by Red the Twit earlier that day in the window of that place she entered to escape from the world. Her ear on the pillow facing away from him, and tears dribble and drip while she thinks on it. And as I mentioned, uh, the full eight minutes uh, is on Mixcloud, and I will post that on Facebook this very evening. As well, uh, Anna Kena has been touring since March. Most recently, the Brooklyn Book Festival, uh, which had over a million people attend um, for all free events. Sounds amazing. Uh, With over 240 authors, she's done a reading series, University of Trent, um, the Winnipeg Writers Festival, Thin Air, um, which she had lovely things to say about, and the inaugural or re-inaugural, when they bring it back, I guess you might call it. Victoria Writers Festival is back in full force. Um, and she's coming back to her home base now for the Vancouver International Writers Festival, and she will be participating in the very popular, sold-out, and much-beloved literary cabaret. Uh, yesterday uh, we spoke and I thought I'd give you the excerpt of our interview, which about 25 minutes, um, which will be pub- uh, published again on Mixcloud. But I thought I'd give you a few minutes of our interview talking about music and lyricism and the rhythm of her text, which you were just able to enjoy briefly. 
Um, I was gratified, actually, in the in the full interview. Uh, you'll get to hear that she was exasperated with the idea of the story being the only thing, which for me and which is highlighted in Malarkey is that the telling, the form and the language are what I find uh, most enjoyable and also most telling when it comes to the characters and ultimately the moral or the direction of the story. Uh, so much of the language for her is physical that she actually returned chib gymnastics in order to finalize the form of her book which took her over 10 years to write um, and that's another thing we touch on in the full interview is the difficulty of writing it's not all about channeling the muse it's also a lot of work so here uh, is the excerpt from our chat last week and uh, she will be at the Vancouver International Writers Festival on Friday. And I will give you a little bit more information, including some of Anakena Schofield's picks for who you might want to check out since her event is sold out. And of course, if you really want to learn more about Malarkey, pick up the book, Fine Bookstores Near You. So here is Anakena speaking briefly about how music influenced and corresponds with malarkey you know music is uh, very important to me and malarkey came into being with music underneath it the prose in malarkey is very influenced by by rhythm and and sound and tone and that that comes from obsessive musical listening while I was writing. <laughs> well, I think it comes across in the writing. Um, I noted that it was very lyrical and also in some ways very kind of emotionally atmospheric like music can be. What do you think that reading to music or even incorporating kind of musical sensibility into writing adds for you? Well, it's huge. Um, it's another interpretation. It's another voice. It's another layer. Um, it allows I mean, it just it just adds an enormous amount to any reading, and these musicians are just extraordinarily talented. So you're working with, you're getting an opportunity to work with these top-notch musicians who are brilliant at improvising, and you know, I I, I think it it adds a it just adds a whole new layer. Um, and I wish we had opportunities to do this every single week. You know, it's. Um, I wish there was a lot more interdisciplinary exchange and work around literature and around novels. Um, I mean, literary culture do can tend to be um, slightly anachronistic this way. You know, other art forms tend to intermingle a lot more. Um, but this is exciting, and, you know, it takes an organization like the Vancouver Writers' Fest to, to be able to fund and pull something of that magnitude off. So I just feel very blessed that Hal Wake um, put me in that event, <laughs> um, and I'm very excited about it. And I'm, you know, I'm looking forward to it. And I think it's going to be just a, a hoot, just a lot of fun. I mean, the part that I'm planning to read is very funny, and I, you know, I can just imagine what they'll do musically vaguely. <laughs> you know, it'll be, I'm sure it'll be very fun. 
I was hoping to ask you um, a couple of questions about the book. One of the things I was interested in was uh, space and movement within Malarkey. And I know that within some of your past works, like rereading the Riot Act and Walkers and other pieces that you've done, um, it seems to me that space and kind of be that civic space or movement through space as a citizen. Um, I don't know, it seems important, it seems like a, a theme that recurs with you, and that the spaces in Malarkey seem to hold a lot of power and, and personality and really represent the emotional content of the scene that you're writing about. And I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit uh, about the power of, of space in writing and, and setting the scene in that way. Well, I'm very interested in the demarcation of space, and you're right. In Malarkey, um, there, there's space is tackled in on many different levels. Um, primarily, it's the setting of the book takes place quite in quite a claustrophobic domestic sphere. Um, but within that, the you know I employ the kitchen table uh, very strongly, um, and I think of that kitchen table in Malarkey as a very politicized space. So we have a scene in the book where our woman is watching her husband sitting at the table eating his dinner, which she's prepared for him. And she's fixated on how he relates to and moves objects on the table. And from that, she deduces certain things about her husband and his behavior. So that was really a nod to... Um, matriarchal power within domestic space. So the novel, space within the novel is essentially inside space and outside space. And um, initially, for the most part, himself, her husband, um, has control and power over the outside space. Although there is some, um, tra there is some crossing because she, she does go into his space. And then she's in control of, of the domestic space. But then the husband, um, you know, starts to neglect the farm. And so then she has to move out into that space. So, I mean, I, I, I guess I thought of it rather like a badminton match, you know, that on the one side of the net would be um, our woman, the main character. Um, and then and just in terms of the space, and then the outside space would be the other side of the net. I mean, the book, um, you know, is unremissingly about one woman and I, I give you that woman in a very relentless manner um, I want you to as the reader I want you to feel some sort of um, you know um, investment in her um, I'm also um, kind of this is reminding me this weekend I did a panel down in Portland and one of the things that came up was Lydia Yukonovich talked about what she describes as a literature of the body which fascinated me. And so one of the things in my sentences, um, they're quite, there's quite a rhythm, there's quite a, you know, um, they're quite long. Mm -hmm. And one of the things when I was writing Malarkey, uh, I mean, this book, I wrote basically three books to write this book. And, you know, it, took, <laughs> it's a t it was 10 years um, to complete this work. Um, but at one point I was really struggling with some well, I was struggling enormously throughout the entire 10 years, but at one specific point. And so I went back uh, and I began to recognize that I have a very physical relationship with language. Um, 
And so I went back and I started to do gymnastics again, and I began to connect the um, the tumbling line, the line of the sequence of tumbling really? with the sentence. Yeah, and I began to notice that my prose, there was definitely, it was a bit informed by that. And then when I began to think in that way, um, you know, my sentences just began to make more sense to me. And if you want to listen to the rest of that, I believe I've mentioned it about a hundred times already, but it is on Mixcloud. And uh, those extended interviews are a product of uh, when I find an author, uh, I, I just want to pick their brain for as long as, as they'll let me. And she was uh, very kind to spend a half hour with the arts report. Uh, Anna Kena, as I mentioned, will be at the Vancouver International Writers Festival this Friday, October 19th at 9 p.m. as part of the Literary Cabaret, where a variety of authors will be uh, reading their work along the orchestral stylings of poetic license. Um, but it is sold out. So here are a few of the authors that she thinks you should check out. You can find their events on www.writersfest.bc.ca and uh, Jessica Westhead, Miranda Hill and Susan Swan as well as uh, Rebecca Rosenblum who uh, I have actually read her her novel Big Dream or it's more of a collection of uh, connected short stories which is a favorite of mine. If you listen to the show you know that and uh, it's, which I found quite excellent. And then Annabelle Lyon, who just released The Sweet Girl. And we actually have uh, an interview slash review forthcoming from Ariel Fournier, one of our uh, correspondents. So hopefully we'll have that up on citr.ca soon. And I will post that on our Facebook. What is our Facebook, you ask? It's www.facebook.com slash The Arts Report. Now I played about eight ads earlier today and I am going to... uh, take a musical interlude for Sarah Sarah Vaughn September song but I'm not going to take a break because we have another guest in studio and I would like to get straight to Shyam uh, Salvadore and he requested Sarah Vaughn September song and I have the 1955 version because it's September and it's that time of year correct a little atmosphere well, it's October. It's actually a very fall song, I feel, so... It is October. Oh, my goodness. Yes. I don't even know what month it is. Um, I was wondering if you could um, introduce yourself briefly. Now, you're the author of um, Funny Boy and Cinnamon Gardens and a young adult novel called Swimming in the Monsoon Sea, which I mentioned to you earlier that mm-hmm. I actually studied in school, is excellent. Um and the you ruminate on various eras in Sri Lankan history, mm-hmm. and your protagonists uh, th- of those three books are um, queer men, yes, who are navigating the social and cultural mores of Sri Lanka. Yes, and these are personal inspirations for you. Um, when you say personal inspirations, you mean it's based on my experience. Well, yeah, you yes. were talking earlier about yeah. your uh, love of Sri Lanka yes. and Canada yes. and um, your experiences in Sri Lanka. Yes. Well, I, I did grow up in Sri Lanka until I was 19 and it was in the, in the seven, 1970s and 1980s when you didn't have access to the internet and 
various things. So you kind of grew up into a void of silence around your sexuality. You knew you were different, and then ultimately you figured out you were attracted to men, but you had no way of translating that into anything else. So I kind of wanted to initially, with my first novel, Funny Boy, break that silence by writing about it. But I suppose I wanted to write about it in a larger context so that it wasn't just about sexuality, but also dealing with sexuality within the context of Sri Lanka's civil war, issues of race, gender, class, and just kind of um, expand beyond that. But also to tell the story of a family going through cha- a political change in a country. And if you're actually interested in listening to some readings, some excerpts, uh, last Thursday we aired one of our campus lecture series. The first of our series um, was dedicated to your readings at Green College um, at one of the Tuesday drop-in lectures and from September. And uh, you are the writer-in-residence at Green College, which is a, a residential college for graduate students that promotes uh, interdisciplinary inquiry. And there's free lectures and events um, and then discussions as well. Uh, there's about 100 students, uh, postdoctorals and academics at UBC. And I was hoping you could tell us a little bit about why you are interested in interdisciplinary studies and, and why you feel they're important to academia, even either in a personal mm. way or maybe in a more p- theoretical way? Well, I mean, I'm not, I mean, I'm, I, because I write something so spe- so specific, which is a novel that deals with both the Sri Lankan reality and also the reality of my, like being Canadian in the way I'm Canadian. Um, I have my subject kind of set out for me, but um, interdisciplinary um disciplinarity interests me just because I think it's a way for people to talk to each other and, and to uh, to learn more than your discipline. And I think that's what Green College is very good at, is, is, is bringing together people, well, not just from different disciplines, but also people from different countries who um, bring sort of a, a multiplicity of um, experiences to the college and and so dinner is always a fascinating meal <laughs> because you always sit next to somebody and you find out something very interesting uh, that you wouldn't know anything about or I wouldn't know anything about like game theory or gaming theory or whatever it's called that I heard about the other day um, it's just things like that I think it's I think the whole purpose of Green College is to encourage conversation and I think in a world in which people are getting more and more specialized and more and more limited because people don't really talk to each other anymore. They sort of communicate in born mores through Twitter and whatnot. The actual art of conversation is sort of dying in our world. And so I think Green College has a very important function to play in in keeping communication going. The You know, you say that your subject matter is very specific, but... Um you know, having heard excerpts from from Funny Boy and mm. Cinnamon Gardens, and having read your young adult novel Swimming in the Monsoon Sea, I mean, you cover actually a variety of of cultures, time periods, ages. Um, and so, do you do you find that trying to um, express these types of experiences through these various uh, social times what do you find has been um, for you 
since you published your first novel in 1994, some of the changes and reactions in those various cultures that you've experienced either personally or observationally? I mean, that's uh, over 16 years. It's yeah. must have been some changes. Yes. Well, in the Sri Lankan context, uh, I mean, let's talk about the gay community because, mm-hmm. I mean, that's what we really are talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of the um, gay and lesbian community in Sri Lanka, there's been a lot of change. I mean, I'm actually kind of stunned by the changes. I mean, when I, when Funny Boy came out, I was the first person to ever come out publicly in Sri Lanka and say I was gay. Um, and the gay people I was meeting at that time were still very self-hating. Um, but now when I, you know, now there's three gay and lesbian organizations there. There's three, I mean, they all have, they have a pride week. Uh, there's a pride dance and people from, I mean, everybody comes. It's a hot ticket among just, just general sort of, uh, party goes and um when you when i meet these men now and women uh, what they their attitude has changed they're, they're no longer self-hating because so they they think they are okay they think there's a problem in the society which is i think a huge step forward so that's the sri lankan aspect in terms of the canadian aspect though i think when it came out in the 1980s um, within the gay community there was a lot more racism um and just kind of kind of um, sort of arrogant um, ignorance around people of color and, and other experience, other people coming from other cultural experiences. And I think there's definitely been a softening of that. I think the gay community is much less racist and much less arrogant. Um, the, I mean, and I say, when I say the gay community, I mean the white gay community. Mm-hmm. So there has been that shift as well. And I think identity politics in the 1990s brought about that shift. And having studied some some gender and, and queer politics uh, I find that there's yeah there's levels in terms of you have a, a feminism for example or or uh, queer studies that that look at something from a point of view and then there are still voices missing so just because um, your point of view is something that's not mainstream doesn't and 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 you have had to fight for acceptance doesn't necessarily mean that that community doesn't have blind spots yes, as of well course not. Of course not. and um and so that that i found really interesting when i was reading is, is seeing it coming from from so many points of view um now you have a panel tomorrow night and mm-hmm. we will actually be broadcasting that yes. from 5 to six thirty. yes um can you tell us a little bit about the subject matter um, well, the, the, the subject matter is about uh, the notion of pardon and accountability. I mean, is accountability for past crimes necessary for a nation or a people to move on? And it's, it's a question that's always interested me because the civil war is now over in Sri Lanka. And so we are now grappling with the issue of accountability and reconciliation and pardon. And so I've uh, have three panelists on on it. The one is uh, a very wonderful writer named Ravi Haj, who's uh, who's Lebanese and who's written about the Lebanese civil war. And he won the Dublin Impact Award a few years ago uh, for a book called De Niro's Game. And then the second writer is Madeleine Tian, who's written about the Cambodian genocide. And then the third uh, panelist is Diana Claxton, who's a, a visual artist who also teaches at UBC and who's from the Lakota First Nations uh, uh, Reserve in Saskatchewan. So I, I just wanted to bring different people together to talk and uh, different disciplines to see what they had to say on the issue. How more, more important how the work reflects the issues, or how you know how they handle the issues in their work. Um, so um, 
that's what the panel is going to be about. And it's from five, just say from five to six thirty tomorrow at Green College. And can you tell us a little bit about what um, did you organize the panel yes. yourself? Yes. And and do you have um, any comments on why you chose these particular speakers beyond their um, connection to the subject matter? Well, I mean. Um, I like their Excellent work. Speakers. I like yeah. their work. You know, I like their work very much. I mean, I think that's always for me the place where I start with the work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's yeah. really. I mean, the simple answer to it. I think they are brilliant. It should be. It should be the answer. That should be yes. the answer. What ultimately. else could it be? Well, yeah. one of them owes me money, and yeah. no, I'm just joking. Um, so the the uh, it's the writer in residence series. So this is something that you're curating, yes. and is this going to be? Is this a weekly thing or something that happens? No, it's, less I often? think it's about once a month, and there's oh, one lovely. more coming up in November on. Uh, Buddhist narrative and poetry, um, mm-hmm. which will be, and I think it's November seventh. Is it? Um, yeah, we, you know, you can check out um, what's happening at Green College at greencollege.ubc.ca/slash/what's-on, and this is the writer in residence series. So, what's coming up tomorrow is pardon. Is accountability for past wrongs necessary for a person or nation to move forward? And that as five to six thirty at the Coach House. Uh, and um, it's interesting, the show that we actually um, syndicate um, from Co-op Radio, uh, Cisna, is, was talking about accountability and reconciliation oh. today. So it's a nice tie-in. Um, and um, you can also check out our, uh, as I mentioned, our airing of the campus lecture where uh, you did an excellent, just a really moving reading, which I, and funny too, one of the things I appreciated was that... Um, the the humor in it had this even in even in a situation where there are many either oppressive or even if it's just a difficult personal situation interpersonal situation there's always something funny happening and not necessarily in any attempt to lighten the move but rather that's life that is how and it and it, and it comes across um, for those listeners as a very um, accessible and relatable uh, characters which are really enjoyable to watch their journey and their struggles. Thank you. Well, um, so uh, a couple of other titles to check out from uh, Salva Dry uh, is Storywala, short fiction from South Asian writers and um, includes works by Salman Rushdie, Monica Ali and Hanif uh, Kurashishi. Kurashishi. Thank you very much. Sorry about that. And um, and again, also Funny Boy, Cinnamon Gardens, and Swimming in the Monsoon Sea, which actually won the Lambda Literary Award in 2006. And thank you, Wikipedia. Um, so we are out of time, unfortunately, and I would have uh, loved to get a little more in-depth. But And I know we're not going to talk about it right now, but um, we have you have something coming out in the spring. Yes. And um, you are welcome back on the show anytime, and we can maybe introduce people to your next new work. Thank you, Megan. Which you will be writing at Green College. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so thank you so much uh, for joining us at home today. Um, very um, packed show today, but I'm glad that we were able to speak to so many interesting artists. We have uh, a fill-in coming up, and then later on we will have, uh, as always, Val Cormier from Folk Oasis at 8 o'clock. Um, this has been the arts report and you can listen to us wednesdays at 5 p.m uh every wednesday and then next week we will have arts extra and we will have episode two of 
UBC Arts On Air with uh, Ira Nadell. And that is actually, I'm very pleased to say, hopefully, if all goes well, going to become a regular program that will alternate with arts